that doesn't want to work together for good, all things, so it's not obeying Romans 8.28. I, I just want to talk to you for a little while about the waterway. We're going to do baptism next Sunday. Um, I'm contemplating on bringing the baptistry just like right here next Sunday. It's be a good old time having baptism in Jesus' name. How many know it's great to have your sins washed away? Nothing like it. Nothing like it. At seven years of age, I was telling Brother Reese this at prayer Thursday night. Seven years of age, I went back to change in the restroom, and it was just tingling after I got baptized. I felt so light. And I hadn't caught, I hadn't done any gross sin at seven years old, but I felt the lifting of the weight and the curse of sin off my life. And I knew I had been forever changed. Aren't you glad for baptism? Amen. Raise your hand if you've been baptized in Jesus' name in the room. Look at all of these souls touched by the power of the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We're asking you to move among us and just speak your word today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I want to talk about walking in the waterway, but mainly the waterway today. Thank you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I know the words we're looking for. How many love bubble wrap? Oh, there's a few of you that, yeah. How many gravitate toward bubble wrap? Like when you see, oh, when it loses its purpose, it has, it has a great purpose after that, right? Just anytime I hear bubble wrap, when I used to work in some shipping areas, I'd hear bubble wrap. I went back and I had to be a part of the whole, you know, step on it. You can step on it. You can, you can pop it. You can twist it. You can do all kinds of stuff. But one thing I want you to know about living for the Lord is we're grateful that we're baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. But there's no such thing as, as bubble wrap for life. Amen. There's no such thing as a protected life. God would have to go back and apologize to all kinds of people throughout the scripture for their first century walk with God. They, the, the bubble wrap doesn't have a place in the kingdom of God. But I can tell you this, you can be hidden in Christ Jesus. There's a difference between being protected and being hidden. In the name of Jesus, if you read through Colossians 3, you find out that we are hidden in Christ Jesus when we're baptized in his name, amen? You start to find out that there's places that the enemy cannot access when we are covered by the blood of the lamb. And one of those places he cannot access is the things that we have done previous to our baptism. I'm so glad I have a place where I can go where I'm washed and the sins of my past life are put away. And not only that, that, but from baptism forward, I can call back to my baptism and say, Lord, I've slipped up. Forgive me. And God looks at me through my baptism experience forward. Amen. So everything that has happened to me up to my baptism experience is forever washed away. You get a clean slate. And after that, if I repent with my mouth and confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me my sins based upon on the fact that I was obedient to the word of God. So my baptism goes with me. The waterway is how I walk and how I live after that day. I am not myself, but I am buried with Christ. Amen, somebody? 
Romans 7, 24 through 26 said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Everybody say, body of death. Now, I'm a funeral director. You know that. I'm a little bit crazy. I do stuff every single day that deals with dead stuff, okay? So my work is always looking up. Wow. Rough crowd. I all... I'm not a comedian. I'm a pastor. That's why I'm a pastor and not a comedian. My jokes are groaners. But at least you can, at least I'm used to this kind of environment because I'm always getting the cold shoulder. So we have to, <laughs> do I only, only get two of these? Can I move on? <laughs> so we have to deal with Pastor Calhoun's bad jokes sometimes. Forgive me. Get back on task here. Oh, wretched man that I am, that should deliver you from the body of death. I don't go to the cemetery and sprinkle dirt in the hole after you put the casket down. I don't go to the cemetery and throw a few shovels, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, we're done. If you don't bury someone completely, that's not a burial. It's not a partial burial. You don't do, you know, a few shovels full of burial. You bury somebody completely, Amen. And so we have to understand that the burial that they're talking about here is baptism. We are buried with Christ in baptism. Baptism means to be immersed in water, to be put underwater. So if you're sprinkled, you're not baptized. If you're sprinkled as an infant, you're not baptized correctly according to Scripture because the Bible says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You have to have a faith component. You have to be able to say, I know why I'm getting baptized and it's going to wash away my sins. This is for me. I'm choosing this baptism. And so when you're in a, a child of faith, and you're walking with God, you know that you need to be baptized according to Scripture, and you make that decision for yourself. You believe in what it's for, and the name is the change agent. The name is the cleaning agent, amen? You can be baptized in a pond full of scum and come out clean in Jesus' name. No, you won't be physically clean, but the Bible says we don't do this to take a bath. We do this for the spiritual cleaning of our soul. It is not for us to clean the physical body. It's to clean the spirit spiritual man. Amen. And so then we walk in that. Thanks be to God, verse 25, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself, that I myself in my mind am a slave to God's laws, but in thy sinful, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. There, verse 26 says, there is therefore no condemnation. But that word, original word of condemnation means damnatory sentence. What Brother Reese was talking about this morning when he was teaching in spirit life. There's no damnatory sentence to us who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you hear someone ask you, have you believed in Christ Jesus or are you in Christ? There's more to that than just putting your faith in Jesus. You need to obey it. If I, if I had a can of paint here right now, and this wall needed to be painted. Can the paint make the wall look new? Yes, it can. Will the paint make the wall look better? Yes, it can. Do I believe that paint covers walls? Yes, I do. But until I open the can of paint and apply it to the wall, the wall's not going to change. It's the same with baptism. We know the name can save. We know the name can deliver. We know by faith that it can change our life. But until you get baptized in the name or you apply what he has done for us on the cross, you have not been fully changed. Amen. So I know that baptism is important in my life because I'm buried with Christ. It's the only place where we are buried. It's called a watery grave. Everybody say watery grave. Therefore, now there's no condemnation to them which are in. Everybody say in. 
Christ Jesus, who walked not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The waterway is walking after the Spirit because you have buried the body of death. You have buried the sinful man, that old carnal nature, that one that likes to rise up every once in a while anyways, whenever someone cuts you off on the freeway. Amen? But that one that helps you want to say words you know you shouldn't be saying whenever you get angry. That, that same flesh that wants to rise up, that is supposed to go back to the water grave every single time. If you've been buried with Christ and that tries to rise up, you need to say, no, that is not the way I walk. That is not the way I live. That is not my future or my course in life. I'm living in the waterway. I'm walking with Jesus Christ every day, and I'm not going to be living or directed by my flesh. I'm going to walk after the Spirit. Somebody said amen? So we're thankful that we understand that we always need a middleman. We have always needed Christ on the cross. And he who hangs on a tree is cursed, the scripture says. So he took on the curses for us. So we are not condemned because he took on our curse. He died for each one of us, right? We know this is a basic message, but I have to preach it because I'm excited about Baptism Sunday. But we're seeing, we're seeing the effect of the removal of the middleman in America. All throughout business, they're calling it the great flattening because of technology. We're removing middle management, and people are having access in places they never had access before. They're trying to slim down, even, even at Twitter. Elon Musk tweeted out that he wants his managers to start doing extensive amounts of code. He, they're taking out people from the middle management that manage the managers who manage the managers and manage the managers. Amen? There's so much, there's so much weight in the middle that they're like saying, we need, we need to just cut this all out in business. So there's this flattening going on in, in business all over the globe. But even though people have seen that they can make more money by removing the middleman, I want you to know we better never remove the middleman in our spirituality. Jesus hung on the cross in the middle of heaven and earth and died for us and took on the curse of man so that we could be buried with him and take on life and newness in him. Amen. That man, Christ Jesus, is not removable from our salvation work. We need to be baptized and buried with Christ. And the reason why we're buried with Christ is because he saves us. He's the one who died for us. He is the one who did the work on the cross. We need the middleman. Amen. That body of Jesus Christ was what took on the body of death for us. He died for us. We are buried in Christ. 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man, you could just put body right there. The body, Christ Jesus, the man, he mediated for us. He went between us and God and helped us to be recovered to God Almighty. Amen? So that body of death died for us. And so when you get to Matthew 28, 19, people get very confused because the Bible says, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, go and make disciples, amen? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name. Everybody say singular. It does not say names. It says name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. You have to interpret Scripture based upon where Scripture is contextually located. And this is the first century church. They have no consciousness of three conscious beings in a triune God. They have never heard of that before. They don't know anything about a trinity. It has not been created as of yet. The word trinity has not even been developed. You won't find it in your Bible even 
to this day. But they don't know anything about that because they were in the first century church raised through Judaic understanding, which is hero Israel, the Shema. The Lord our God is one Lord. That's all they knew. They understood the term father because Jesus spoke about praying to your father as creator or giver of life. They understood that. They understood son as Jesus being the son of God. And they understood the spirit because Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will come again. Same man, different manifestation. Amen. He's going to be in spirit form. We don't say the father walks through this room. We don't say that the son is walking through this room, but we do say that the Holy Ghost is in this place, that God's spirit is in this room right now. Why? Because Jesus is here in spirit form and spirit do not die. Spirit cannot die. John 4, 24, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him. In oh, I better grab the mic like Drake. They worship him in spirit and in truth because I feel like preaching. And spirit is eternal. God is spirit. If God is spirit and he's father, he never can die. He's undiable. If spirit is spirit, spirit cannot die. It is eternal. So who died for you? Jesus died for you. So why are you baptized in the name of Jesus? Because that is the name of the only one who ever died for you. And in order for you to bury yourself in Christ Jesus, you need the name applied because he is the one that died for you. God did not die. God in Christ Jesus died. So he had to have a body legally in the earth. He had to come through the womb of a woman legally to be in the earth to die for our sins. He had to make a body to do what needed to be done to recover us to God. So that is why he is the mediator. Not only does he pray for us now and forever will until we're with him and we no longer need the mediator because we're with him, but he also needed to be the body of death to take our curses away. And so why do we look at this scripture and say, well, why don't we baptize Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in Jesus' name, amen? Why don't we do it that way? Well, you're choosing titles, and I know, I understand. Some people are like, well, I'd rather do what Jesus says than what, what, you know, what Luke wrote in Acts chapter, you know, in Acts 2.38, because he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I'd rather do what Jesus said than what, you know, what was written by Luke in Acts chapter 2. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. You're kind of getting things confused, because first of all, Jesus did say those words, but they were written by Matthew. So you have to, you're actually choosing between two different disciples which ones you're going to do. You're not choosing between Jesus' words and not Jesus' words. You're choosing between Matthew's words and Luke's words. So now you're back to the apostles. And then you have to decide, am I going to let the spirit of authority of Scripture speak to me and obey the Scripture? Or am I going to take, take different uh, occasions with who is speaking? And I can tell you this. Jesus gave the disciples authority to carry the gospel. He said, you have the authority to preach the the gospel. Therefore, if any man come to you and preach any other gospel other than the gospel we have given unto you, because they were given authority by Jesus to carry that gospel, you need to take the words that are in Luke, that, that Luke preached, interpreted by Peter, as he understood and watched Peter, as he wrote down in the book of Acts, just as much as you need to take the words in Matthew. But it does say, in the name of Jesus, which is singular. Amen? 
today, today, today I've just decided, and my, and my wife is, doesn't know this, but I've just decided to write everybody in here a check individually. I'm going to write you a check for $10,000 each because I am just loaded. I, I got that kind of cash on me. It's just chump change. I'm going to write you all a $10,000 check, but I'm going to sign the check, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now you go to the bank and you try to cash that check. You know what they'll tell you? The check is legal. The check has the right numbers on it. The check even has the right name on it, Sarah and I. And if you're listening to the podcast, I'm not going to tell you my address. <laughs> but it'll have my address on there. And then they get all the way down the bottom and they say, sorry, it has everything right on the check. That's why there's so many churches that have so much right. I'm not preaching against a religion. I'm preaching in the name of Jesus right now. I don't care if your aunt or uncle were Lutheran. I don't care if they were Catholic. I don't care what they were. If they had a desire for God in their heart, they were reaching for God with everything that they knew. And you can look at the check and you can say, it's right. You got a lot of stuff right on the check. But we cannot cash this check for sins. I cannot give you $10,000 even though pastor wrote the check. They could even check to see if the money was there. I won't tell you if it's there. Because <laughs> that's a whole lot of $10,000. They could even check and they could say, you know, the finances are even there. We can look electronically and see. But we cannot cash this check until you go back and get the name written on there. Because the name is what releases the authority to release the funds. And the name is what releases the authority to cover the sins. Amen, somebody. He died for us. That's why we use the name. His authority's in the name. That's why we use the name. We need the middleman. Amen? We need Jesus on that cross. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Would you lift your hands and just thank the Lord for the name of Jesus, for his beautiful plan in earth and his beautiful plan in us? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're buried with Christ so that we are raised to new life. Everybody say new life. Now, I have never had someone go into the baptistry and die. I have never lost anybody and could not find them in the baptistry while they're being baptized. <laughs> I have never accidentally slipped and fell into the baptistry on top of somebody, knocked them out, and had to lift them out and resuscitate. You have no fear being baptized. It's, there's no, you just lay back in Jesus' name and you come up in Jesus' name. It's really simple. But I have never had someone dead in baptistry come out to life. It's speaking about your spiritual man, amen? Now, I do have a friend who is a pastor in Brazil and this is an amazing story, and I am actually watching the time very carefully. But he had a, a young mentor. He was mentoring, and this boy every morning would cook his grandmother breakfast. They live in Brazil. It's an impoverished country, and he would cook his grandmother breakfast every morning. She'd come down around 10, 11 a.m.-ish. And so one morning, he's making breakfast. Grandma doesn't come down. 
Gets to about 1 p.m. and grandma's not coming down. He finally goes, well, I, I guess I got to go check on her. He goes to check on her. He founds her dead in her bed, that she had passed in her bed. And he is distraught. This is, his parents had already passed. This is the only parental figure that he has is his grandmother. And he loves her dearly and she loves him dearly. And he is just distraught. And he runs to pastor, which is Robert Dame, a friend of ours. He was the second man in our wedding. And he's a, he's a missionary in Brazil right now. And he runs to his pastor. He said, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. My grandmother passed away. And I know she hasn't been through the waterway. I know she was never baptized in Jesus' name. And he said, well, I don't know what to tell you because the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, then come with judgment. He said, but maybe God would do something. And they were dealing with a drought in the area. It used to be swamp in the area where they were at, but they planted lavender plants, I believe it is, and they take about 15 gallons a day, and it just drank up all the water in the area. So they were in a drought. So he went house to house with a cup, and he asked for water, house to house, until he filled a barrel outside of his grandmother's house. And he filled this whole barrel, like, you know, a round keg barrel kind of thing. And he went upstairs, and he picked his grandma up out of bed, and he put her in that barrel toe to head. And he said, he said, and then I don't know if pastor came over. I don't remember this part of the story or if he did it, but he, he was commissioned to go ahead and baptize his grandmother. So they baptized her from head to toe in the barrel, just in Jesus' name, and put her down. And now I know we talk about dead to life, and that's a spiritual thing, but she woke up in that, two, in that burial you know, uh, cylinder, and she comes out like this, and she goes, what did you do to me? <laughs> she was dead and came back to life when she got buried in Jesus Christ. Now, I have never heard a story quite like that, but it happened in Brazil. There are things that God can do if you will honor his word. This boy didn't know what to do. He was distraught, but he said, maybe God would do something if I baptize my grandmother and bury her in the name of Jesus. And God did a miraculous thing that day. And God saved his grandmother completely. And he began to teach her Bible studies and all kinds of stuff came from that. But to this day, they still tell that story at that little church in Brazil. And it's a beautiful story how God brought her from death to life physically, while he was bringing her from death to life spiritually. God will do anything to reach anybody. You hear me? I don't know where you're at or where your family's been. That's not the story that you're going to live with. God's going to do a great work through everyone in your life if you believe. Paul said, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And that sin required a payment of death. But death has been put on Jesus Christ. And then when we put on Christ Jesus, we put on life through the power of the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen to that. We put on a new nature. That new nature is one that consists of his own, his own nature. Why? Because it looks like Jesus, full of compassion, full of truth. And so because of that, we see in the Ten Commandments that the first couple of commandments deal with how we approach God. You know, you're not supposed to have any gods before me. You know, all of those things. That's about godliness. Everybody say godliness. And then the, the latter part of the Ten Commandments deals with unrighteousness or righteousness. It deals with, first, our relationship vertically, how we should approach God, and then secondly, our relationship with other people. 
Amen? And that's why the cross has two beams. First, the beam up and down. It's repairing our relationship. His death repaired our relationship with God. And then the side beams is his scars is what helps us to understand that if he would die for us, if he would sacrifice so much for us, we should be willing to forgive our brothers and our sisters vertically, horizontally, okay? So we understand that the scripture deals with how we approach God, and in, in order to be godly, we need to do certain things. But it does talk about righteousness. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. 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 Thou shalt not take, bear false witness. What's it saying? It's saying be righteous in your activities one to another. And I know we have keyboard murderers now with all of the tech that we have. We have people that hide behind their keyboard and just samurai people to death online. And they don't care about how it feels. But we are not supposed to treat brothers and sisters with callousness. We're supposed to be careful and long-suffering to one another. And we're supposed to live righteously. Amen? We live in godliness because we're buried in Christ Jesus. But we live in righteousness because we treat one another like Jesus. And the scripture tells us that the gospel is impaired if we don't treat each other with righteousness. Did you know that? The scripture reminds us that it is impaired. It is, it is stifled. It, is not, it does not go forward like it should if we don't treat one another properly. And so Regardless of the circumstances or the troubles of life, we want to be victorious in Christ Jesus in our spiritual life, and we want to treat our brothers and sisters properly. That is the picture of the cross, living right with God and living right with others. Amen, somebody? It's so important that we understand we were meant to be raised up, that we were meant to raise the way we talk and live with one another because that is righteousness. That is living in Jesus. That is walking in the waterway. That whatever he changed us to be spiritually should start showing up in our physical life. That means you don't say bad things about people online. That means you don't talk bad about somebody. The Bible actually tells us in Proverbs that a slanderer is a fool. Amen? It tells us not to say words against other people, not to jump to conclusions of their intentions. You let Jesus handle them, and you let Jesus take care of you. Amen? I'm so thankful that the Holy Ghost works through baptism as well. The Holy Spirit works in our needs, in our trespasses. He helps us. He convicts us. He does not condemn us, but he convicts us and brings us back to a relationship in Jesus Christ. We were meant to rise, amen? We weren't meant to live in a space where we're constantly confused or we're constantly dealing with struggle and trial or drama from other people's mama, amen? <laughs> He never meant for us to live a low-life existence. People that live a low-life existence are constantly talking about other people and problems around them. People that lift their eyes and live a waterway or live a way that puts life in its place and puts salvation in their life is a people that lift their eyes to the hills from which cometh my help, the scripture says. My help cometh from the Lord. When you lift your eyes beyond life and start looking for God to handle the situation, you can't handle some situations that are presented to you. You are not supposed to ever handle a situation on the same level that it comes to you. If 
somebody comes to your face and begins to argue with you about something, you're not supposed to do anything but to, to argue back against them. You're supposed to take your ground. Now, if, you're, if your neighbor is putting a fence on your side of the blot line, you don't just stand there and give them every single word your blue-talking daddy ever gave you. You go to a higher level. You go to the city and you pull the records and you bring the blueprints and you lay them before your neighbor and you say, do you see that you're five feet over with your fence line? It doesn't mean you don't fight for your, thing, for, for your rights or the things that you own. It doesn't mean that. What it means is you don't argue or combat things at the same level that they came to you. You go to a higher level. You appeal to a higher court, amen? And the same is with Jesus Christ. When the devil comes to you and say, you remember who you were? You remember the offenses? You remember when you stepped over those lines? You remember what you did wrong? You don't combat the devil just with arguing with him. You say, the Lord rebuke you. You go to a higher court. You take it to another level. I know I am just flesh. I know I make mistakes. I know I do some things wrong. But Thanks be to God. I have been buried in the name, and I'm walking in the waterway. I'm living my life at a higher level. I'm living at a higher level because you get more from what you focus on than you realize. Hallelujah. You will get more from what you talk about than you realize. You will get more from what you feed yourself than you realize. Focus on powerful things. That's why we put the word of God in us. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Colossians says. Richly. Put the word of God in you so much that you can spout scripture anytime, not to beat somebody with a Bible over the head, but so that you can encourage yourself. And if you put enough word in you, you will walk in the waterway. You'll walk in Christ Jesus. You'll walk in that living baptism in your life. That whenever you run across something that you mess up, you'll, you'll immediately apologize to heaven. You'll immediately feel it whenever you're off one day. And you'll go to your knees in prayer and say, Lord, I'm not feeling in sync with the Spirit of God today. Would you help me? Would you forgive me of any sins that I know of and don't know of? And God will help you. You put the word richly inside of you, you'll walk in Christ Jesus. Amen? It's the power of the waterway. The victory is in Christ, and it's supposed to resonate in your everyday life. Hey, baptism is so powerful, it emptied Jerusalem before Jesus was even crucified. Whenever the, John the Baptist was preaching baptism, they came out to be baptized. And they understood what it meant to be called over in the name of the Lord. This says in the name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Spirit. There is only one name. In that, in that sentence, it uses the name singular. If you look at the pattern of the apostles, they either got that scripture very wrong or they understood what he meant. So we go to our word and we study not just what the word says, but we study through history what the apostles did. Whatever they did, 
goes back to the word of God because they carried the gospel with him. So if Jesus said, be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and you say, well, I, I want to honor those titles, then you better honor some other titles too. You better go through the Old Testament and honor a few of those titles. Which titles are you going to honor? Which ones are you saying are more important? It says the name, and the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. So there is no historical record where they did not use baptism in water by immersion other than in the book of Acts. They, there is no historical record of them ever doing baptism in any other way than by immersion in water. There is no also historical record of them baptizing in any other way as apostles than in the name of Jesus. Amen? So look at what they did. They built their, their ministries. They built what they did on baptism because it's the way out. Amen? It's the message that brings hope to the hopeless. It's the message that brings victory to the victims. It's the message that lifts the lowly. I know that when I sin, I have a baptism to cover it. I don't do that. I don't live on that grace so that I can sin. I live in that grace because I was washed in the blood. So every day I walk, I'm walking in the waterway. Amen? It's the right for the unrighteous. It's the waterway. We get to be baptized. We don't have to. I know we need to be saved. Every one of us needs to focus on our salvation. Be certain. Make your calling and election sure. Yes, but it is a privilege to be baptized. Amen. And we need to get baptism out of the back corner of every religion and put it back at center stage and say, this is how we wash away our sins. Why tarriest thou? Arise. Be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. We used to do that. They used to do this in the Old Testament, if you study, and I'm trying to wrap this down. If you study in the Old Testament, there would be kings who would take over lands. And when they were going to covenant with the people of the land, the king would stand and he would call his name over the people. You can find this in several different studies. There's places in scripture where you can see that the name is used. But it says they're calling on the name of the Lord. Acts 4.12 says we should be baptized in no other name. But Acts 22.16 says, And now, why tarest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins. Everybody say it. Oh, they almost had it. Calling on the name of the Lord. That is actually a proclamation that is done. In the Old Testament, you would see this done by kings, like in Moses' time, when Moses lived like with the Hittites and things like that in the Old Testament. Just, just you can study it if you want to, but you don't have to. I'll give you a reference that's very interesting. This was something that <clears throat> we didn't maybe understand even 100 years ago, but a dis doctoral dissertation by T. Prim and Niles dis it for, Princeton, his, for his Princeton doctorate noted that the calling on the name of the Lord in the Old Testament was well used. The name of the person making covenant would call their name out over somebody. And if you go to Exodus 20, verse 1 through 2, this is exactly what God was doing. He said these things. He said, and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. This doctoral student for 
for his doctoral dissertation, dissertation to Princeton, said this is the Old Testament version of calling on the name of the Lord. That God was calling over the people of Israel. He's saying, I am Yahweh. Jesus' name is Yeshua, amen? And so what he's saying is throughout all the Old Testament, they would have understand when you get to Acts chapter 22, and he's saying, why are you waiting? Rise up and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. Everyone listening at that moment would have understood that is the old school way of someone taking authority over somebody's life, land, and territory. Amen? So when we call on the name of the Lord, we're surrendering everything to Jesus in baptism. He takes care of our land, our life, our treasures, our hopes, our needs. Everything is released into his name. I am the Lord who brought you out, he says. And Jesus is the same. When we call on the name of the Lord, we're calling on that one living God, and we're placing ourselves into Christ. Amen? There's nothing like living in Jesus. Amen? There's nothing like dealing with your fears by taking them to Jesus. There's nothing like having a hope like that. And God spake these words saying, I am the Lord thy God who brought thee out of the land of Egypt, the same I am. I am Yahweh. He called that over the people in the Old Testament. And then the pattern in the tabernacle shows us the cross. And we get all the way to Jesus dying on a cross, going into the grave, and living a cursed, having been lived a blessed life was cursed for us. He lived a blessed life, but he died as a cursed man, was buried a cursed body, and rose in three days with the death, with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He beat the greatest thing we would ever deal with. And so the answer to our anxieties, the answers to our fears, is that God revealed to us that we are to carry the name in our life. It's the waterway. It cleanses us, it washes us, it helps us. Amen? Would you stand to your feet with me? The name also puts you into the family of God. I'm finishing with this. I want you to hear me carefully with this. I'm not a psychologist. I don't present necessarily at the same linear way as some of our Bible study teachers here, and I'm thankful for that. We're very different. But I want you to know that we're getting to a space in this world where there's so much anxiety because of the disconnect of relationships and family. We have to understand that anxiety was given to us as an, as an indicator that we're missing connection and we're missing purpose. Anxiety literally shows up when you have a disconnect between your purpose and between those around you. And with, the, with all of the online things, you can study it. I'm not here to be a psychologist, but one psychologist said anxiety is supposed to be the hitch to the trailer that hooks up purpose and connection in your life. Jesus' name is the hitch that hooks up salvation and puts you in the family of God. And whenever you're connected to God's purpose, you will never deal with crushing anxiety. 
So anxiety comes to tell you, you need to connect to the body of Christ. When you feel anxiety raising in your heart, you need to go back to the name above every name. This baptism isn't just a good idea. It gives you mental health. It gives you spiritual health. It gives you physical health. It's a whole baptism. Your body is buried entirely underwater with Christ to rise up to newness. It indicates that you need a connection to greater purpose. If you battle with fear and anxiety, it's your key to turn toward God. This is the way. Walk ye in it, the scriptures would say. It puts self in a watery grave and it lets God take over your life and lead you. It's the similarities that we well know. Repentance is death. Baptism is burial. The Holy Spirit filling is the resurrection. Jesus says you have got to go through the baptism through the waterway that he is the way the truth and the life and by going through death to life spiritually you will go from death to eternal life spiritually and so we give you all of ourselves today Jesus there's someone in this room that is needing baptism for their mental health they're needing baptism for their physical body because they know that they get worked up with anxieties and they need to be attached to the purpose of salvation in their life. They need to be attached to the body of Christ so that they have someone to gather around them and encourage them whenever they feel anxiety. Would you help them, Lord Jesus, today? We need also the name of Jesus put on our life of the waterway. We need to live in the name of Jesus so that we treat each other right, so that we live righteously among each other, so that we can honor the scriptures that says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Thank God that you have removed the wrath by baptism, by covering us in your name. You've removed the wrath of ungodliness. But also help us through that baptism to walk in a way that leads to repentance and forgiveness of others because unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, Romans 1.18. We don't want to repress or or, or suppress the gospel, Lord God. We want your name to go forward in this congregation. We want your name to be lifted up in this congregation. We want baptisms to take place that not only bring people into salvation, but bring people into fellowship with the body of Christ. And we want the body of Christ to be healthy. We don't want people talking about other people in this place. We don't want things going on, and I don't know that there is. God, I'm not saying that, but God, if there is anyone in this place who's dealing with having hurt somebody else, heal it today by the name of Jesus and because we were washed in the blood, because you died for us, they deserve to be forgiven no matter what they've done. Help us, Lord God, to walk in the ways of righteousness, I pray. And someone said in Jesus' name, Amen. Would you pray right now? Would you find a place to pray? 
If you need to pray for this, for people that you know that are dealing with anxiety and fear, would you pray that God baptizes them in Jesus' name and puts them into the body? Would you take a moment to pray somewhere where you pray for yourself that you would walk in the waterway, that you would call back to anything that you've done and say, God, please forgive me. I've been baptized in your name. Wash me again. Would you grab your Bible maybe and find a place to pray and say, Lord, put this scripture in me richly that I might be washed by the word, that it recalls my baptism, that the washing would continue in my life. Maybe somebody would pray for somebody else, lay a hand on their neighbor, their brother, their sister, and pray right now that, Lord, would you give them the conviction? Would you give them the desire to be baptized in the name of Jesus? Would you help them to go down and put the name of Jesus on them so they might hide themselves in Christ? In Jesus' name, would you pray? Would you find a place to pray? Let's make this whole place an altar. You can sit at your seat. I don't care where you sit, but would you ask the Lord to put you back in good standing in any way, shape, or form? Would you ask him to wash you again in a new? If you've never been baptized, sign up for Baptism Sunday. Put the name of Jesus on your life, I pray. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray together for a minute. We believe. 